It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember to join the conversation. Visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like us there and join the conversation there this morning. Well, this morning, it's all about education. Overcrowded classrooms, bullying, teacher burnout, are our kids being over-tested? What is it that educators really want from parents? What barriers do teachers face when educating our children? And how can parents and educators work together? Here this morning to answer those questions, we're joined by a panel of three local elementary school principals. In the studio with me is Nedra McLean. Nedra is principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End. We're also joined by Sierra Badgett. He's principal of Ethel M. Taylor Academy in Millville. Also on our panel is Tim Riley. He's principal of St. Ignatius Catholic School in Montford Heights. It's our pleasure to welcome you all to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. Now, Mr. Badgett, let me start with you. Now, I understand that at one point you were one of the youngest principals in the Cincinnati public school system. What advantage do you believe your youth gives you as a principal? Being able to relate to our students, um, understanding their their perspective. Um, being a fellow CPS graduate myself, I went through their shoes and I understand what they're going through. Okay. I'm a graduate of CPS myself, so... Awesome. I've been there, done that. So has Nedra, Miss McLean. We yes. actually went to high school yes, together. We did. She's a little younger than I am. I think two years younger than I am. But let me ask you this, Principal McLean: What is it that you miss most about being in the classroom as a principal? You're not in the classroom on a full time basis. What is it that you miss most about being in the classroom? I think getting to know your students on that level, a classroom level, you go from maybe 20 to 30 students to as a principal, you have to look over the entire school. So you still get a chance to develop relationships. But as a classroom teacher, it was it was easier to develop those relationships in a smaller setting. So, Tim, let me turn to you. I know that you've worked in both the Catholic school system and the public school system as well. Let's talk about some of the biggest differences you've seen having worked in both systems. Well, I would, I'd say all teachers care for children. I don't think that's secret or exclusive to any school whatsoever. I mean, there's nothing like a school teacher. Everybody loves their kids. They're there for those kids. Why else would you do it right? In the Catholic schools, we're allowed to include faith in it. And I think that's one of the hardest things for a public school teacher is that they have to keep the faith part of their lives out of their instruction. Okay, so let me ask you this. Now, all three of you got your start in the classroom like most principals do. What made you want to make that leap from the classroom to become principal? Is that something you had always envisioned for yourself? What made you want to make that leap, Nedra? I think for me it started off in the classroom, and I think I kind of slowly took on additional leadership responsibilities, from being testing coordinator to moving on to a reading facilitator to being teacher in charge. And I think it took the leader in the building, who at that time was uh, Ms. Javetta Macon, who was also a teacher at CAPE, um, Mm -hmm. who kind of pushed me to move further and kind of saw the leadership abilities that I had. And she kind of gave me more responsibility and pushed me. Um, I ended up going to the university of Cincinnati and here I am today. So I think having a leader to kind of cultivate and work with teachers to become future leaders is, is crucial. Okay. Sierra. For me, it was, um, I I came from corporate too, as well. So it was getting back in corporate America. That is correct. Okay. So I didn't I, know if you meant corporate uh, public school systems no. or, okay. Corp- corporate. I worked for Cincinnati Bill. Okay. Um, worked for them since I was 18. Wow. So, and I 
went, I was working full time and going to school full time. So I always knew I wanted to go, get into education and to give back at a larger scale instead of just being at the, as a classroom teacher. So I believe being a building principal allows me to do that. Okay, Tim. I think uh, I've always been a person who liked to do things behind the scenes, and I, I I love the opportunity to, in the background, set the teachers up and the students up and the families up for success. So, um, yeah, I think that's what it was. And besides, teaching is just way too much work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a six-and-a-half-hour performance every day when you're teaching. You know, I can I can – I can walk down the hall, get a drink of water, and go to my office and make a phone call. And teachers are just on all day, every day. And that's the perfect lead into my next question because I don't know if people fully understand or are fully aware of the amount of work and dedication it takes to be a school principal. Let's talk about that, if you will. Well, I, I can go right away. It's going to be different for me than it is for us uh, since I have public principals because in the Catholic schools, each of our schools operates really as its own school district. I have my own IRN mm-hmm. number, just like Cincinnati Public mm-hmm. has one. So I have to. I do things including the HR work. The you know I do long term planning, financial planning, budgets. I have to raise the money and spend the money, decide how it's going to go, and everything in between. Not to mention the curriculum and you know then all the discipline and teacher evaluations and on and on and on and on. Wow! So that's a lot. Right. Okay. Way behind the scenes. Okay. <laughs> Um, I would say for us in Cincinnati Public Schools, we have to also, we have to work with the students, the parents, the staff. Um, And when you're thinking the staff, not just the teachers, but the paraprofessionals, the custodial staff, the lunchroom staff, um, volunteers, the resource coordinators, the nurse, the office staff. I mean, you have a lot of people that you have to deal with. You have to please. You're dealing with district office. Um, sometimes I have to be mother, father, I have to be hairdresser, <laughs> I have to be the counselor, you right. name it. There's really, when you ask me, what do we do? I, get, I guess the question is more, what don't we do? Sure. Right. Yeah. It's not, if you haven't tied a shoe or wiped a nose, it's not really a whole day, is absolutely. it? Because <laughs> in, the, in the view of the state, we're instructional leaders. Correct. But we also have the operations of the school to run, too, and that's the day-to-day business. We also have to, most of our schools are community learning centers, Correct. so we have business partners and come within our school, and we have to handle those relationships as well. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay, good. And so let's talk about the population of students that you serve. Give us an idea. And I wanted to do the private school versus, not versus, but private school and public school, because I think you're going to get a different answer to this question for sure. Uh, let's talk about the makeup. What What do you see your population there at at your school? My population at Hayes Porter we're 100% free and reduced lunch, and we have 98% African-American students that we service. Okay. So it's a low economic um, disadvantaged students, but we do what we need to do to rise above. Okay. Sierra? Ethel Taylor is going to be the same. We're 97% um, African-American, 100% free lunch. And Sierra, I wanted to mention that a few years ago the Inquirer did a story on you and your school. What impact did that article have on the school as a whole? Well, we were able to get more partners um, that stepped up to the plate to help us. Um, The support that we had, the continued support that we have, is just continuing. So part of the Community Learning Center is being able to maximize on your partners and help the students there. Okay, and I'm sorry, Tim. Um, Let's talk about the population of students that you serve. Sure. It's a large school of 1,048 students, um, K-8. to So is your school the biggest Catholic school here in the city? We're the largest K-8 to Catholic school in the state of Ohio, yes. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, so it's a big big school. Um, we have a wide range of learners at our school. About nine uh, percent of our students have learning disabilities and are identified with the federal, uh, you know, the federal sixteen categories. That's a little bit unusual. Um, and but only about five to eight percent of our kids are on free and reduced lunch right now. And in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about education. We're joined in the studio by three local school principals. We're joined by Nedra McLean. She's principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End. We're joined by Sierra Badgett. He is the principal of Ethel M. Taylor School in Millville. We're also joined by Tim Riley. Tim is principal of St. Ignatius School in Montford Heights. For more information on the show or to join the conversation this morning, please visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Now, as a school principal, what are some of the biggest challenges you face? Nedra. Some of the biggest challenges, um, I would say childhood poverty, um, attendance issue, abuse, um, basically preparing the students on how to deal with things that are out of their control. So that's part of what um, Cincinnati Public Schools, we have the community learning centers because we do understand We need to educate the child, but there are certain needs that must be met in order to do so. So a lot of times we'll have a full-time nurse because a lot of the kids don't get to go to the doctor as often to see the pediatrician. So they're constantly coming to see the nurse um, for regular needs that would be taken care of if they could see a pediatrician on a regular basis. We have a school resource coordinator in each school to help coordinate um, partnerships with people in the community. So we want to build those partnerships in the community because we all know it takes a village to raise a child. We cannot do it alone. So we also bring in partnerships, whether it's to help tutor the kids who need the one-on-one additional help, whether it's uh, giving a donation for coats, the kids are in need of coats or socks or shoes or uh, underclothing or whatever those needs are. We also open up our buildings to the community so we can work together. That is not an us against them. It's we're all working together for the betterment of the students. At Taylor, we have a school-based health center as well. And our nurse, she's there four days a week. And on Thursdays and Fridays, we have a nurse partitioner. So the students can see um, the nurse partitioner, get prescriptions, field um, eyeglasses, the whole nine yards. Also with that, at Taylor, our parents can be seen. So on Thursdays and Fridays, if you're a parent and you have a children, a child at Ethel Taylor, you can be seen as well to get the health care. Great. Um, Tim. Sure. Um, we actually have a, a full-time nurse also. Um, not quite a health clinic, but, um, you know, there's certainly a, a steady flow of students going in there to be checked or treated or referred. Uh, but I'd say our biggest challenge is probably um, dealing with mental health issues. Um, I think yeah. that, you know, students, parents – you know, I think it's um, you know, it's just a big challenge in society in general. Exactly. And even you know, even when you can get them fed and you can get them to school on time and you can get their you know, get their homework done and they got shoes and socks on, if they're living in with uh, the burden of a mental health issue, it's it's a whole other level of challenge. And that's one thing that's nice. The Cincinnati Public Schools we have mental health agencies in our building. I have mm-hmm. St. Joe's, and it's a wonderful relationship. Yeah. That if kids have problems, they can be seen. They can be sent from class right to St. Joe's, and they take care of those needs. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking about education. We're talking to three local elementary school principals. We're talking to Tim Riley, principal of St. Ignatius School in Montford Heights. We're also joined by Sierra Badgett. He is principal of Ethel M. Taylor Academy in Millville. Nedra McLean is principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End. 
For more information about the show, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, and you can actually join the conversation there as well. Now, let's talk about teachers. Now, teacher burnout is real. How do you keep your teachers motivated? What's the key here? Principal McLean. I think for me, um, what works for me as far as keeping teachers motivated, I have to do what comes natural to me, and I love to write poems. So from time to time, I will write a poem. I will personalize it uh, to each individual teacher so it's not a general poem. I will let them know um, the things that I've noticed. Sometimes it's, it's difficult when you're working, and I know we all get a paycheck, but sometimes when you're working with challenging students, it goes beyond. You have to have a passion to do this. You have to pa- have passion to do this work. So a lot of times I will leave little poems or little notes um, in their mailbox, um, in their chair. Um, we do something at staff meeting where I'll recognize, you know, the teachers. We do announcements every morning, so teachers' names will be called on the announcements. We just like to show the teachers, just like the students, everybody likes to be appreciated. So I think it's very nice to let them know we do see what you're doing. It's not going unnoticed, and we do appreciate you. Okay, Tim Riley, um, how do you address um, teacher burnout? Sure. Um and I have to worry about it for a longer time because we don't retire till about 66 and a half. So it's, it's, it is a big issue. Um, but I will tell you that, first of all, you try to get the right people in your building. And I think that, that matters. Like, like you're saying, you, know, you get the passion going. But, um, but I think that you know, I've done this for a long, long time now. I've been a principal for 27 years. And so I, I know the barriers that get in teachers' way, what gets them tired for the wrong reason – and they don't mind being tired for the right reason. They don't mind being tired because they work so hard to help a child or help a family. But they don't want to be tired because they had to go to a meeting or fill out a form. Or, mm-hmm. And so I try to minimize all the things that are not really the most important. Uh, and then I always try to throw a few perks in there. Like this year we added a – our teachers, we added a salad bar. To, they can just come in and make a salad and they don't have to pay for it. They don't have to order it. They don't have to do anything. And it really wasn't that expensive. And you know, it saves them five minutes going through the lunch line. And, you know, so just little things like that make a huge difference. I think teachers in all of our schools are probably the most unspoiled people on the planet. So it doesn't take much. You know, I love I love the idea of a poem. Uh, but, you know, do that or, you know, just, you know, just greet them in the morning, ask them how their weekend was, you know, make sure. And it's, it's I have 112 on my staff and we are, um, it's one big family. Okay. All right. See, uh, I, when you were talking about the salad bar, they were uh, Sierra, never <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, That's I didn't good idea. throw that out there. But. We actually do have salad bars we, right. already set up in the school yeah. for the students. For the there. students, yeah. right. Okay. For, okay. for me, it's um, let, informing my teachers to let them know that I'm here as a resource for them. Um, we do the things at the staff meeting where we have kudos at every staff meeting. So before we start any staff meeting, we do kudos. And that's an awesome um, start to it. But also teaming up with your business partners, like, we have a lot of we have a lot of business partners and in corporate they take their employees out and do certain activities mm-hmm. team building activities mm-hmm. so we're doing that more at Taylor where we're trying to come as a group um and we try to utilize our district PD days to do those to stay refreshed and remember who we're here for and that's the students sure okay and almost along the same lines do you guys think that you know, i think this do you think teachers are undervalued <laughs> Underpaid for sure. Yeah, look at these smiles. Yeah. <laughs> that, that struck a chord yeah, with everybody. Absolutely. I don't think people realize what we have to do in education. I, I think agree. you kind of look from the outside in and you say, okay, you look at a test score, you look at a report card, and you kind of size up a school or a district based on that. But it is so much more that goes into absolutely. dealing with kids every day on a daily basis. 
I mean, it's a lot. And a lot of times it doesn't reflect the growth is not shown on a report card. You may not see it necessarily in a grade. But when you're there every day and you can see the growth of a student that started in August to where they are in May, you can definitely be happy about that. Okay. It reminds me of my first year as a principal at elementary because I came from high school. I was a high school assistant principal. And I remember a kid, I won't say his first name, but I'll just, I remember a kid, he came to us in kindergarten, could not read. Couldn't, couldn't read, didn't know how to read, didn't know his letters. But by the end of the year, he came up to me and says, Mr. Badgett, I can read. And he had a book, and he wanted to read it to me. Wow. So it shows me that our teachers are doing a great job. Uh, sometimes it doesn't reflect on the test, right. um, but our kids are learning. Okay. Yeah. Tim? Yeah, I think the teachers are, are undervalued, underappreciated. I think um, you know if you had to perform for six and a half hours a day and be evaluated by not just the people in the audience, but then what they go tell people. I think that that would be, um, you'd start feeling that that's, that's not being appreciated enough. Um, it's, it's a big deal. Um, you know, and then they have their own lives, you know, where we expect them to keep up their credentials. They, they need to know how to use, you know, all the new technology that's coming out. Plus, you know, we want them to model. They have to be, you know, we want them to be physically fit, happy, together people. And it's just like, sure, fit that in one day. Go for it. Then just do it 180 more days all year. Right. <laughs> uh, you talked about technology and keeping up with technology. I went to a school and, and was speaking, and I guess they had a spark board. And I thought it was just a dry erase mar- uh, board. I took a marker. Oh, no. She almost fell out oh, like, no. no. It was like one of those commercials He's where she's like, <laughs> in slow motion, it was like, no. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Let's talk about parental involvement. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking about education. We're talking to three local principals. For more information, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Hey, there now and like us there now. Now, I want to talk about parental involvement. And I always say this, and I believe this to be true, that parents are their child's first teacher. Very generally speaking, how engaged are your parents? And Tim, I would say, and I'm just going to guess that you probably see more parental involvement than, say, uh, Miss McLean or Mr. Badgett. And I'm just going out on a limb and saying that. Let's talk about parental involvement. Tim Riley, principal of St. Ignatius School in Montford Heights. Sure. Well, just by the nature of the difference of our schools, I mean, right. parents choose our school. So, of course, um, they're going to be more involved. They're also, you know, besides they're paying, paying their, their yeah, besides their taxes and their, uh, they're also paying their tuition. But um, and really, we will meet all of our new parents, and one of the first things we tell them is that it's not our job to educate your child. And then they kind of look at you and you tell them yes, and we're going to charge you still. But it's not. But we are here to help you educate your child. So we make it clear from day one, and we can get away with that easily because that's why they came in the first place. So uh, yeah, that, so for us to get parent involvement, it's always it's hard. It's always hard because most of our parents, um, people, kids in uh, home with two parents, most of them are both working. And but I think um, with organization from from our office, we can let parents know this is when we're going to need you. Schedule it in there. And, you know, and they, we let them know it goes fast. So if they miss it now, they can't make that time up later. Okay. Sarah, what do you see in terms of parental involvement? Well, in the sense of we have to be unique in how we address it. Um, obviously, my parents are different than Tim's sure. parents. Um, so we have some single parents um, who raise kids, have multiple jobs. So when we have multiple, when we have events, we have stuff on weekends. We have stuff late at night. And we also have events first thing in the morning. Um, like last year, we had muffins for moms, dads, 
with donuts. Um, and we've had movie nights, those things. So I think you just have to be a little bit strategic on how you plan the events. You can't always just have conference night, Thursday night at 4 o'clock, 4 right. 6. And we do robocalls and text messages to our parents, and we can get them in that way. Okay. Nedra, what do you see in terms of parental involvement, in terms of involvement in their child's education? I think parental involvement is very important. However, I think we have to view it differently. Um, just because one parent can't review homework with their child every night, I don't want to say that parent is not doing their job as a parent. So what we do, we try to tailor um, things to meet the needs of the parents as well as the students. So that means we may have after-school programs, after-school where they can help. We have an hour of power where they review homework. We bring in retired teachers as tutors. Um, a lot of times what I've found is that parents want to help, but they're not sure exactly how, mm-hmm. whether they're working late, they're getting off and they're tired, or maybe they don't know and understand the material. So nobody wants to look um, as if they don't know in front of their child. So we do what we can. We just say, let us know, write us a note, write something back. We can do what we can to help you. We, parent involvement can simply mean signing that planner to let your child know that I reviewed, that I do know you have homework. I'm in contact with your teacher. It could mean making sure your, your child goes to bed on time so that they're ready and prepared early in the morning. Parent involvement is more than just reviewing homework or coming up to the school every time the doors open. And we understand that. And we also at Taylor, we have parent cafes. So we go over in the beginning of the year expectations, our expectations, and we model it for the parents and what homework review looks like, um, what we need them to do in the school, those things. So we have those throughout the year. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking about education. We're talking to three local elementary school teachers, principals, I'm sorry, They're here this morning to talk about what it takes to be a principal in Cincinnati Public Schools, the Catholic school system. Um, Let's talk about this. Let's talk about uh, more about parental involvement. But as an educator, tell us the magic, the secret. What is it that you want from us on our end as parents? What do you want from us as parents, as educators? I simply want parents to know that the school, we need to work together. We have it has to be a partnership. It's not us against them. When we ask you questions or when we're sending notes home or you receive a phone call, it's not always for something negative. It's also for something positive and that we simply need to work together. It has to be and the child has to know that we're a team working on your behalf. And I think we will see better results. Now, Tim, for all the parents that are listening this morning, what's the secret? What do you guys want as educators? What do you want from us parents? Yeah, We want the parents to be in charge. You're in charge of that child. That's your child. And we're here to support you with that. But make no mistake, it's your child. I've got my own kids, right? And so we we really ask parents to make sure that they do know what's going on and that they enjoy the journey. You know, it goes so fast. If they don't, um, they blink, it's it's gone. Sierra? Collaboration. We have to work together, just like Ms. McLean said. It's, It's teamwork. And almost along the same lines, what can parents do to best aid in the education of their own children Going back to that whole team approach that Sierra just talked about, what can parents do to make their child's education the best? Tim? I would say that if you can, as a parent, if you can talk about one thing that that child is learning in school that day, they'll they'll, they'll respect that you're with it and that you care, and it gives that child a sense that, well, what I did in school was important because my my parent knows about it. And I think if we can um, get parents to just be a little bit aware of what's happening in that classroom. It goes a long way to, you know, partnering with us, working Absolutely. with us. Like there's, like everybody's saying, it's, it's, it puts us all in the same, we're all driving the same bus then. Okay. 
I think the simple question that my parents always ask me, what did you learn in school today? And I know a lot of times, you know, kids will just say nothing. Do we have to or, ask that every day? I think so, okay. because you would hope that there's something new each day that the child is learning or exploring, even if it's based on the same concept. Hopefully there's another skill, something to add to it and not allow the child to simply say, oh, nothing today or, you know, just something really small, but add to it exactly what did you do today? Right, And I would say get specific because I don't know if your students would say, but nothing Exactly. Right. It's boring. Exactly. But, but if you get specific and say, what did you do in science today? Can you sing the song you, you learned today in school? Um, who did you, what did you play at recess? Uh, what did you do in phys ed class? I think if you get specific, you'll get better answers too. Okay. I have boys, so getting them to talk, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sierra. Um, bedtime's a big one, making sure the, your kid go, right. goes to bed on time because then they, you know, we don't want them in school sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the biggest one is, like we talked about, is having parents build a relationship with the schools, um, exposing your child to books. I, I would just say get, get as many books, even if they're just looking at the pictures, exposing them to that is key and critical. Okay. And just sending them to school on time. And again, in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about education. We're talking to three local elementary school principals. We're talking to Nedra McLean. She's principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End. We're talking to Tim Riley. He's principal of St. Ignatius Catholic School in Montford Heights. We're also talking to Sierra Badgett. He's principal of Ethel M. Taylor Academy in Millville. If you would like to join the conversation this morning, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Now, let's talk about testing. Are our children, are they being over-tested? And let me preference this by saying that I do some work in the Cincinnati Public School System as well as a volunteer. And there was one particular incident where we were planning a Black History Month celebration in February, and the teacher there, the principal there, excuse me, told me that we could not do a Black History Month program in February because it would interfere with test prep. We would have to do it in May, and I thought that was ridiculous. But let's talk about our children being over-tested, and how much pressure does that put on our principals, on our teachers, and our students? Well, it's going to be different in, in the Catholic schools okay. and in the Tim. public schools, but not um, not completely different because if our students participate in any of the scholarship programs, then they're subject to all the same testing. So in the Ed Choice scholarships or the Peterson or Autism scholarships, and so that's some of our students too. And I think that um, I think there's a tug of war there because you know data can help us make good decisions on what's working, what's not working. You can get that data from testing. But if all you do is test, you're you're killing all the instructional time. So there's a tug of war there, and I think it's kind of a uh, on one end of the tug of war. I think sometimes we have legislators who are looking at uh, making sure that tax dollars are being spent in responsible ways, and you can hardly argue with that. Um, but at the same time, um, how do you make one size fits all? And I, I think that just right now we're starting to hear that they're looking at maybe accepting different types of testing to measure achievement. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be, that's just like, that's a home run thought. For me, I think um, testing, first of all, is a state mandate. It's not um, a CPS mandate. However, I do think a lot of times that students are over-tested. I think, like Tim said, data is important. It's great. We need to use data in order to drive instruction. We need to identify strengths and weaknesses. However, I don't think that it should in itself identify the individual, the teacher, or the school at large. 
Because unfortunately, especially in inner city schools, there's so much that goes on that you cannot, it's not reflected in a report card or on a test, but there's lots of growth. There's lots of positive things going on and you see the improvements. But unfortunately, on a particular day, say, for example, they have a huge reading test on a given day. If that student came in upset, something happened at home, they may not do well on that test on that given day, not because they can't do it, because of other outside factors that they had no control over. And I think I might say, and some people are just do not test well. Absolutely. And that's just the basics. I mean, they can be an A-plus student, but when it comes to a test, they just don't take tests Correct. well. Some people freeze right. them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sierra. Yeah, I agree with Ms. McClain. We, we do have to test because it's a statement. It's a mandate by the state. Um, we also have other tests like MAP, which Correct. is alternative test that we can test our kids with, um, more accurate. Correct. Um, so we, we do look at the data. But I think, you know, the emphasis on the state test is, is huge. Now, let's go back to my original question. How much pressure is placed on teachers, educators, and the students? Because in many cases, teachers spend a large majority of the school year focused on preparing students for testing. And then the teachers are sort of judged on their students' performance on the test. And then as the principal, how do you manage that? Because there's so much pressure put on the students and the teachers and everyone. How do you manage that? You're the head of this whole thing as the principal. How do you manage that? Or well, can you manage well, that? You say there's a what lot of, do you do? Well, you say there's a lot of pressure on the teachers and the students, a lot of pressure on us as well. <laughs> well, uh, the principal that told me we couldn't have this black history program, she was deep into pressure. <laughs> and I think the best thing you can do is preparation. Prepare as best as you can and let them know, I just want you to do your best. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, I'm okay as long as you're giving me your best. Yep. The same thing with the teachers. As long as you're making sure that students are best prepared as they can possibly be, You've done all that you can do, and the same thing for the students. And I can't ask you to do any more than give your best. Right, you have to keep it in perspective. Right? Exactly, right? absolutely. So, do you guys have any rituals or anything that you like to do with the staff or students to help relieve some of the pressure of taking these tests? And I was at one school, and I know they ate a certain thing. I can't remember what it was, but it was known. Research shows that it helps stimulate the brain. I can't remember what it was. But do you guys have any rituals or anything that you like to do with students before taking tests to relieve the pressure? Okay. <laughs> Tim says mints. Yes. Come I on, think Tim. we all do mints, but I think we also yeah. do testing <laughs> pep rallies is a big thing for us. We do a huge Just testing test pep rally. rally. Mm-hmm. We kind of go over uh, some of the things, something as simple as going to bed early, making sure you come to school, get breakfast, you're there on yep. time, kind of taking deep breaths, kind of what to do in the event you get stuck on a question. You know, do you sit there and waste time or do you kind of mm-hmm. move on, come back to that question, take your time? We just kind of repeat some of the you know, regular day-to-day things. And again, try to reiterate to the students, we want you to do your best. That's all we're asking. We don't want you to get upset about it. We don't want you to break down. Just give it your best, and that's all we can ask. Right. We, we have free breakfast for all of our students in Cincinnati Public. Um, in addition, at Taylor, we have incentives. So if you score so high on the test, you get incentives. Like last year, we've, we learned from years past, some kids like things, but they look more like spending time with adults. Mm-hmm. So yes. we took them to Scene 75. So if they scored a 700 or higher on the air assessment, they made it to the principal's club, and we took them to scene 75. So that was awesome. We saw an increase from our fall test to our spring test. One of the things that we try to do is is really just focus on growth. And so um, and our stakes are a little bit different, mm-hmm. too. You know, we're not going to get a big old report card put in front of our school. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really we really try to celebrate student growth. And, you know, we they know where they were. 
and how hard they've worked. And so it kind of makes it a little bit easier to jump to today. You're just going to, you have the opportunity to show us where you are now, and then we're going to take it from there. So we try to really kind of make the pressure not about hitting a certain point, even though I feel that pressure. Uh, I don't think the kids feel that pressure. And the stakes are very different for us. Right. So. And again, in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about education. We're talking to three local elementary school principals. We're talking to C. Air Badgett. He's principal of Ethel M. Taylor Academy in Millville. We're also speaking to Nedra McLean. She's principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End. Also rounding out our panel is Tim Riley. He's principal of St. Ignatius Catholic School in Montford Heights. For more information or to join the conversation, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Now, I understand that Cincinnati Public School is currently implementing a new initiative called Vision 2020, My Tomorrow. And Principal McLean, I understand that your school is playing a major role in the program as far as technology is concerned. Tell us about how you guys are involved in this program and tell us about your role. And I believe this is the first year for you guys at Hayes Porter. So Hayes Porter is the only elementary school in the Vision 2020 with the technology focus. This was our first year. Um, There's actually going to be a three-year rollout um, for the rest of the neighborhood schools. There was something, a survey that was put out that the district did um, to the parents and the community, and they wanted to know what is it that you would really like to see Cincinnati Public Schools do. And it came back that they really wanted to see a stronger push and a focus for the neighborhood schools. So Vision 2020 actually came out of that. So what we're actually trying to do is put a focus in the neighborhood schools to kind of strengthen the schools. So for Hayes Porter, the West End, it actually ties into the West End. The West End would like to become the information technology hub for Cincinnati. So Hayes Porter School is located in the West End. Taft High School Information Technology is located uh, right across the street from Hayes Porter. So it would tie in very well. The students could come to Hayes Porter for elementary school from K to 6, and they could transition easily over to Taft High School for 7th through 12th grade to continue the technology program. Um, The technology focus helps to, a lot of times, the kids are consumers of technology. We know with Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, the kids are very familiar with technology. They wake up to technology. They go to bed using technology. But we want them to become creators of technology and not just consumers. So we have an innovation lab uh, that's a state-of-the-art lab where the kids can actually go to a gaming room and create their own games. We have a makerspace where they can create videos, posters. They can actually leave with a product. We're teaching them how to code, and we also uh, have a robotics classroom. So the students are, will be very proficient in technology, and they hopefully will carry this on to the next generation. All right. So what about you? So now you, you have to kind of integrate and find out. So what's that learning curve been like for you? It's a huge learning curve for me as well. Um, I enjoy technology, but I was not as technology proficient as I thought I was until we started getting some of the newer technology. So I'm learning along with the students. The okay. staff and the students, we're all learning together. Okay, I might have to come down there myself. Please do. Please do. Join us. <laughs> all right. And, Tim, you alluded to this earlier. I think there's a lot of parents listening this morning that may be thinking that a private school education or a Catholic school education is financially out of reach for their child. But you talked about scholarships. There is a way to get your child in a private school setting, in a Catholic school setting, and there's help available. Sure, sure. There's there's actually a whole variety of uh, things to pick out of the basket um, to make it affordable for families. You know, first of all, every parish school is supplemented by their uh, parish itself. So the parents are never paying the full cost of education or tuitions, about $3,100 and. 
nobody's educating kids for $3,100, including us. Um, but um, to, uh, most parishes give tuition assistance to families. And then the Archdiocese of Cincinnati actually did a huge campaign that just uh, is still actually in process. But beginning uh, next school year, the Archdiocese itself will be giving tuition assistance for any family, no matter their faith, religion, whatever, uh, to attend uh, the Catholic schools if that's what the parents wish for that child. So that process starts this January. Um, and then uh, schools can choose to be part of the Ed Choice Scholarship Program in the state of Ohio, uh, depending on the makeup of their their population. And if our listeners would like to find out more about those scholarship opportunities, how can they find out more? Um, I would suggest two things, either contacting the Archdiocese of Cincinnati directly um, or a local school, a local Catholic school, because I think everyone will have that information. And you'll see a lot of publicity about it in January because it's the result of this giant you know, $50 million fundraiser they just did over the past three years. Now, I want to move on. I want to talk about bullying because bullying is real. And with social media, the problem is becoming more pervasive. Let's talk about bullying and your approach, because now with social media, it's not just handling what goes on inside the school in terms of bullying. It has this bigger effect where people are bullying outside on social media and it has an impact on what's going on in the classroom. Let's talk about bullying. Principal McLean. So I would just like to add, when we talked about parental involvement, that is one way parents can get involved by making sure that you watch what your child is doing. If they have a Facebook page, if they have Snapchat or Instagram or email or whatever they may have, just kind of make sure that you are periodically checking to make sure that what your child is sending and what they are receiving is appropriate. A lot of times some of the problems that we deal with um, in regards to bullying are things that took place outside of school. It didn't actually happen in the schoolhouse. It was something in the neighborhood, but because we're neighborhood school, a lot of times they may Uh still all go to the same school. They bring it into the schoolhouse. And we're finding out, right, something that happened over the weekend. Somebody said something on Facebook that was inappropriate or somebody else told somebody else that somebody said something. They posted a picture. So I think uh, what you said is is absolutely correct. Bullying has always been an issue, but I think with technology now, it is really taking it to another level. So I think that is one thing parents could really do and would be helpful if they monitor their child's interaction with technology, what they're sending and receiving. I also think we have to be proactive, too, because as building principals, we know, you know, in today's society what's going to happen. So I think um, in Cincinnati Public, we have PSC, Positive School Culture Committees, and what we do, that team meets monthly, and it's how can we change the climate of the school. And sometimes it's bringing in folks that can talk about bullying and having a school-wide assembly about bullying, and making a bully-free zone and those things like that helps. Okay. Right. I don't think bullying has any boundaries for what type of school you are. I think it's just part of our society right now, mm-hmm. all the way from presidential elections to, yes. um, you know, our first-grade classrooms. And I think it's, you know, one of the things I think we can ask parents to do is to model being civilized and model, you know, working together and how they use their social media. I think that's kind of interesting sometimes. Um, but I think I think exactly what the same things are true, exactly the same mm-hmm. things, you know, that you have to deal with it at school, whether it's at a school issue or not, because it interferes with learning and we have we can't ignore it. Um, so, yeah, I think empowering our students, training them, going through uh, scenarios with them. We have you know, I think all schools have all kinds of different ways to attack it, but you can't ignore it. Well, in Cincinnati Public School, we have what's called advisory. 
So it started in the high schools. It trickled down to fifth and sixth grade. And this year we've moved it down even to grades three and four. In advisory, uh, the students meet uh, once a week for 45 minutes. It covers character building. It works on your self-esteem. Um, and it also fosters um, looks at what you want to do when you're going to grow up. So it's looking at college awareness, college and career awareness. So part of that, we're trying to focus on your character and your integrity and who are you as an individual. And so we kind of deal with bullying during the advisory period as well. So that's one thing we're doing in CPS to kind of help deal with some of those issues, but in a positive manner. Um, we don't always like to be reactive to something. We want to be proactive. So part of the advisory, we're trying to teach kids what's expected, um, not only in school, but in life. We're preparing them for life as well. Okay. Tim? Right, I was going to say, I think the social media and all that just kind of amplifies it. But if we work on that character first, mm-hmm. I think that that, that, that is it's preventative. And I think that's where you have, to, you have to have that as part of your anti-bully program. It has to be you're developing that child in a way that they wouldn't even choose that. And then also empower them how to deal with it. And then finally, give kids stop skills. If it's happening, what do you do? And that's something you can teach. You know, we are the teachers. And on the topic of bullying, I think I must say this. Again, I work with the adopted class within the Cincinnati Public School System, and I have two pen pals, two pen pals that I work with. And one of my pen pals wrote me and said we were writing back and forth. And she says this. She said that I love my school because they don't allow bullying. And I thought that spoke volumes for Cincinnati Public Schools. And again, in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about education. We're talking to three local elementary school principals. We're talking to Tim Riley. He's principal of St. Ignatius Catholic School in Montford Heights. Sierra Badgett is principal of Ethel M. Taylor Academy in Millville. Nedra McLean is principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End. For more information on the show or to join the conversation, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Now let's talk about classroom size. I know that's always an issue. And let's start with Tim. Tim, you have the biggest Catholic school in the state of Ohio. Let's talk about classroom size and ideally how large should a classroom be? How many students? Yeah, so we're we're packed. So in my K to three classes, we max out at twenty four kids per room. I have five sections of each, so that's one hundred and twenty kids per grade. And then in four through eight, we max out at thirty kids per room, four sections, one hundred and twenty kids at each grade. So um, you know, and I think that you know the size of the the class size really is it's it's really hard to compare in different places because if you get, you can have, you can have 60 kids in the room if everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing and that can work just depending on what the needs are in that room. Um, but if you have, you know, a bunch of high need kids, you need more help. So like in our building, you know, I have 112 people, on my staff in every grade level, I have two extra teachers, uh, intervention specialists or enrichment person, or an aide, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it really um, helps divide that load up. Okay. Over at Cincinnati Public Schools, what are you guys seeing, Sierra? Well, we we have you know we have a so teachers. What's the ideal classroom size for you guys? Well, we have we have a collecting bargaining bargaining agreement so that we have to fit. Is right. that fair to say? Right. So the teacher contracts pretty much sets the limits for the classroom right. sizes for primary um, up to eighteen. If you right. go over eighteen, you get a paraprofessional. So there's up another adult in the classroom, correct? And, and it, for go intermediate, over twenty-five is a new teacher okay. added. And for intermediate, you can go up to 32. Now, Principal Riley and Principal McLean, you touched on this earlier, and I'm finding this to be true myself by volunteering in the public school system, is that children 
come to the classroom with so many needs and concerns. And it's almost like social work to get to the child, to get them prepared to learn. There's so much going on. Each one of these children have a backstory and there's so much going on in their personal life. So as an educator, you have to cut through all of that, get them the social services that they need before you can even begin to teach them. Sure. I think that that's where you start embracing technology, though. And I think that you can differentiate your instruction. Um, You know, you're setting different goals for different kids. And, you know, with some help with parent cooperation and and so on, you can you know, you can meet a wider range of learners now than we used to be able to. I think, you know, technology is making things more effective and more efficient. I think particularly when you have such a range of needs in that classroom. And for CPS, I think that's where our community partners also step in and help out. We have people that come in and assist um, in the classroom. They work with individual kids, and some will work with a small group of students. So I think they get that individual help and small group help as well. That's how the community partners can also assist um, through the STRIVE partnership, the STRIVE tutors as well. I was just going to say also in Cincinnati Public, we're Title I schools, so we can use some of our Title I funding to bring in tutors. So I bring in tutors. They come Mm -hmm. three days a week, and they work with our are more at-risk boys or girls, students that we identify as a team and work with those students. Right. Yeah, same with us. Title I is in our building every day. Okay, Mr. McClain, you've been talking about community partners, and we I've heard that term. What does that mean? And uh, let's talk about some of your community partners and what that actually looks like. So some of the community partners involved in Hayes Porter School, we have the Families Forward um, Agency, and it's also our after-school program. We have Grad Cincinnati, which they also help us um, with making sure the kids graduate from high school and go on to college. We have the Vari's Law Firm, which is a law firm that they come in. We probably have about 60 attorneys that come in and help us tutor. We have people from Fifth Third Bank that come in and offer tutoring uh, with the kids uh, during school, some after school. Um, we also have Macy's. Um, downtown, they're a corporate office. They come in and they also assist. So we just have different people from the community that come in and they do whatever they can do to help the school and help the students move forward. So okay. a lot of it is tutoring, but some of it may also be uh, giving money for incentives, uh, paying for a bus to go on a field trip, um, providing money for an incentive, buying, say, for example, cheese conies to a classroom for coming to school on time to help attendance. So it's very far reaching what the community partners do to help make the school successful. Okay, and if someone's listening this morning, if they would like to partner up with you guys at Hayes Porter, how can they find out more? They could call the resource coordinator there. Her name is Rashara Richardson, and you can call the school at 513-363-1000 and ask for Rashara Richardson, our resource coordinator. Okay, good. Um, Sierra Community Partners, and how critical are they? They're they're huge for us at Ethel Taylor. Um, Our biggest one that stands out for me is Union Savings. They help us with anything that we ask. Um, we have multiple partners, Grad Cincinnati. We also have for our after-school program, which provides power packs for the kids to take home, which is a meal. They feed them dinner, and then they can take power packs home on weekends. Um, St. Joe's, that's our mental health agency. Um, and then all of our classrooms are adopted by a different business. So every classroom has an adopter, which I can't name everyone. Okay. We'll be adopter here for a class, while. We're involved. Hubbard yeah. is involved in that program. And then we have Ethicon. They're a big partner for us. All right. And with that, we're running out of time this morning. Finally, this morning, what's the biggest reward of being a school principal? Sierra Badgett, principal of Ethel M. Taylor Academy in Millville. Well, we talked about it earlier in the show, is being able to see your kids come from, come to you day one, leaving, leaving you with reading skills, mastery skills, being able to go on to the next level. That's key. That's why we're here.
All right. Tim Riley, principal of St. Ignatius Catholic School in Montford Heights. What's the biggest reward of being a school principal? I think knowing that you're the architect behind the culture of the building and that you can help shape and and keep joy alive in the lives of these children. I think um, childhood kind of gets cut short, I think. And, and as a principal, I think you can kind of control some of that and you can help them enjoy being a child. And if you've done it long enough, like I have, you also meet um, the children of your uh former students. I call them my grand students. Uh, and that's, that's, that's very rewarding. All right. Grand students. I love that. Nedra McLean, principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End. What's the biggest reward of being a school principal? For me, just knowing that I have made a difference in the life of a child is for me, that's huge. Um, so many times people look at different things um, to judge success. But for me, success means knowing that I am making sure that the future is better. I'm investing in our future. One of my favorite quotes is you can't go a day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that that's what I'm doing every day. Good. Absolutely. So what does it feel like if you're out shopping or at the mall or whatever and 20 kids run up to you? Hey, you know, what does that feel like? That's a feel pretty good. It's a wonderful feeling. I was at the grocery store a couple of weeks ago and I ran into a student that I taught in the fifth grade, my very first year teaching. And it made me really feel, know how old I am now because she stopped her car and jumped out. And I'm like, how old are you now? She said 27. I'm like, wow, and I had you in fifth grade. And it was really refreshing because when she saw me, she knew exactly who I was. She stopped the car. She jumped out and hugged me. She went back to the car and she came back again and said, I need one more hug. Oh, my goodness, I miss you so much. Where are you at? You know, so that makes you feel really good to know that you are making a difference. Well, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us this morning. And Nedra, you know, my alum, I'm really proud of you. I'm Thank pretty you. proud of what you're doing. <laughs> Thank so you very much. Congratulations. Feels good. So us Cape students, we can do some things, yes, right? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. All right. Well, thank you, Sierra. Thanks for taking Thank time. All right. Thank you, Tim. My pleasure. It's great All right, to be thank here. Thank you, Nedra. You're welcome. We've been speaking to Nedra McLean, principal of Hayes Porter School in the West End, Tim Riley, principal of St. Ignatius Catholic School in Montford Heights, and Sierra Badgett, principal of Ethel M. Taylor Academy in Millville. Coming up next, we talk to a teacher whose passion for education inspired her to found her very own school and capture the attention of President Obama. She'll tell us exactly how she did it and talk about her teaching style. That's coming up next as Sunday Morning Magazine continues. Stay with us.